Welcome back into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players' podcast, the... Wait a second. We fired the GM and the coach, and the team is still crap and has lost their last four games in a row? Podcast! I'm Russ Joy. You can find me on Twitter at JoyOnBroad. I'm joined, as always, by Crossing Broad's beat writer for the Philadelphia Flyers, my colleague, my co-host, and quite frankly, the person I share my love of the Philadelphia Flyers with the most. That would be Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter, at AntSanPhilly. Anthony, my dear friend, hello, darkness, my old friend. I come to talk to you again. Hi, Russ. Hi, Anthony. <laughs> it's been, uh, how was your holiday, I guess? We should start with that. We should great. start with that, because we haven't, you know, we have to, you know, wish a happy new year to all of our listeners on Snow the Goalie. Um, and, uh, you know, thank you for tuning in to the to the podcast and uh our numbers are growing exponentially uh and that's an awesome thing so we thank you for uh, coming back to listen to multiple episodes but i gotta ask you russ how was your holiday with uh with the wife and kids it was uh it was interesting it was nice every every so often i come across the idea of you know what if i if i could be a stay-at-home dad i, I feel like that would be a really awesome thing mm-hmm. man i love i love our boys i'm like this would be this would be okay and then I get like four or five days into a break and I'm like, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what being a stay-at-home parent would look like or feel like. It feels like sheer insanity. Now, on one hand, I was happy because we um, we did tell the grandparents this year, you cannot buy the boys anything that um, makes sound. So it had <laughs> it had to be toys that were kind of thinking. So different kinds of blocks, different kind of things that like were manipulative and, and they could, you know, be creative and use their imagination with, but we didn't want like fake phones or like fake remotes. And then it turned out, and I mean this in the most loving way, my mother-in-law got a, uh, a fake phone for, for our boys because she had gotten one for them last year and they always fight about it and, you know, fight for it in the, in the SUV. So now we have two that they fight for in the SUV. And then one of our other friends, uh, you know, got, um, our, our youngest one, like a, a fake remote because we told him that, you know, he's always constantly touching the good remotes and, and messing up the Roku or whatever. And, uh, so now that's in the SUV as well, because the boys just fight over anything that makes sound. But other than that, very nice, restful break. Um, awful to watch the flyers play in this, uh, this last stretch, awful to see them go on the road again and get shellacked with, you know, listless effort after, after, you know, listless effort. And, um, you know, I, th- I think that's kind of soured this uh, just just a little bit. How was your how was your vacation, if we can call it that? How was your holiday, your break? It was a nice holiday. Um, it was quiet, which I like. Um, you know, having older children, uh, I don't miss those crazy days where you had to, you know, coordinate gifts with all family members as to what you can and cannot get the kids. Um, now my kids are at an age where you just either give them cash gift cards or experiences um because that's all they care about um so it's good it, it was good it was nice and uh you know you don't have to get up at first thing in the morning on christmas morning um my oldest son came over around ten thirty, quarter to 11 um so that was the that was the 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 you know the time when we actually had to you know be awake and alert <laughs> So it was nice, you know. Christmas Eve is always a, a good, uh, you know, the, how the Italian families are, Russ. We had the seven fish. Um, and I, would, I, will, I will say this. I've never been a big seven fish fan in my family. But this year, we changed the menu. Okay. And actually put out good seven fish oh, as opposed to. It's a revelation. 
as opposed to the seven fish that we had been putting out for the previous 43 years of my life. Um, and it was good. Like the, the meal was really solid. And for, for, you know, for once I was like, wow, that's good. And then we went to my sister's on Christmas day and my brother-in-law who owns a restaurant like made steaks oh. and we, <laughs> it was oh. like awesome. It was awesome. Oh. Like it was, it was great eating for two days. So that's what my uh, holiday was like. So you say, you say to me, like, I should understand what the Italian seven fishes feels like. And I identify more, I guess, in a sense of, of being Italian, but I grew up really with the Slovak side of my family. My Italian side of the family is practically non-existent. So I didn't, to uh. go, I didn't get to live through that. But I, I can say that we had a similar kind of thing happen eight-ish years ago on the, on the uh, Slovak side where, yeah, my, my baba, my grandmother, everything was this, like, very, she was a very good cook. She's still, well, I mean. She's, she's still with us, but she's like not, she's in a, a, a very advanced, I guess, nursing home. So it's not like she's the one that's preparing the meal anymore. But when she would host, it was just this like quasi blandish fish and, and these things called bellinis are not, no, not bellinis. They're babolkis. They're like bread balls, like hush puppies, but they're uh-huh. like baked or something. I don't know. And then there were like three kinds of pierogies, which as a kid were like my favorite thing. There was uh, like potato, cheese, and then like prune. But God help you if you got a prune because nobody actually wanted the prune ones. And then sometimes halushki, that's noodles and and onions and cabbage that are sauteed with like six sticks of butter. So like that was never one to look forward to as a kid. And then my aunt took over and it's become this thing where there's like there's crab and there's all different kinds of fish. And it, it has just kind of changed the entire Christmas Eve holiday. We still had to make the trek north of the wall up to Schuylkill County, which is a bit of a, of a hike. But to get together with family up there, it, it, it is still nice. You know, they they all, for the most part, still try to get together once or twice a year. And that's nice. The family's gotten quite big. And I don't know. I, I think, you know, if you can, if you have family uh, and, and you get the chance to celebrate with them, whether or not you like the holiday you're celebrating or whether or not you really genuinely like the people that are your family, I think it's still really nice to get to spend some time with them. So, um, but our, our family away from family, our home away from home, Wells Fargo Center, you and I have not been together in quite some time. I know you've been feeling an emptiness in your heart, and an emptiness is kind of what we've been seeing perpetually on the power play. Uh, when we go to, to uh, you know look up the stats at the end of games, uh, the power play is still listless. I, I've used that word a lot and, and has been empty, has been devoid of scoring. And as we, I think, you know, turn the page on this new year, the Flyers are 12 points back in the wild card hunt. And quite frankly, they're they're closer to the bottom and to trying to get themselves in the Jack Hughes sweepstakes than they are to, you know, trying to make a couple of moves here with Chuck Fletcher as their GM and, and trying to get back into a playoff hunt. So, I don't know which way you want to go with this show, and I don't want it to be negative. And I also want to point out to the people, um, we're, we're going to go with a shorter show today. We just recorded a crossing broadcast where we touched on some of these Flyers topics. Uh, and your colleague, your co-host on Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast, Bob Wankel. So we, we just got done doing that. So there there's some content there. But we're going to be doing a, a shorter show tonight with the idea that, you know, we're also looking to, to interact with people Thursday night on the Press Row show live on, from Wells Fargo Center, Press Row, on the Crossing Broad Facebook page, and of course, on your Periscope and Twitter, at Ant Philly. So I kind of view this as being something where people are maybe going to listen to this in the morning or on their commute home, go home, and then pull it up on their phone or on their computer and, and interact with us there as well. So uh, I don't know which way you want to go with this. I don't want to be too negative. I think it's going to be easy to be negative about this team, and I'm not looking to make excuses for them. But there, there are certainly issues here. 
with this club. Well, it's not that it's not necessarily about being negative. I think this is it's just a, it's this today is the sobering reality I think for for all fans. And you know, we've been hearing since the Hextall firing on November 27th or the press conference was November 27th. I think the the firing was actually before that. But um so we've been hearing for a little over a month how the Flyers, the changes the Flyers were making to the management and the coaching eventually when Dave Haxtall was fired was done to change a voice and to uh, win now and to not focus on uh, just down the road, but to focus on winning now. And the team has won less <laughs> since all these changes have been made. And they now sit um, 12 points out of a wild card spot, 13 points out of third place in the division for a divisional playoff spot. Um, and that's just, you're not, there, there's no getting over that. And I mentioned that on the crossing broadcast. Like, you, you don't come back from that kind of deficit. I mean, I'm sure it's happened maybe once or twice in history, um, maybe in, under previous playoff formats. Um, certainly, I don't think it's happened in the current format. Um, and yet, you know, we had been hearing still, even in the past week or so, is this still a playoff team? You guys still think you're a playoff team? And everybody's been saying, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not sure that you can say that now. I'm not even sure you can even ask that question anymore. Like, can, can you can you even justify going into that locker room and asking these players after this latest road trip where um, they lost in overtime again in a wild game to Tampa um, blew a lead against Florida in the final minutes and then absolutely sleepwalked against Carolina and then got, you know, pretty much their butts handed to them by Nashville. Like, can you sit there and say, oh, okay, yeah, this, this team's, you know, they've lost four in a row and they're still, but they're still a playoff possibility. You can't. And so what, what does, what kind of position does that put them in? So that puts, um, Cliff, uh, Cliff Fletcher, Chuck Fletcher, his father was Cliff Fletcher. I think we we're going to say Cliff Lee. I was like, oh yeah, my no, God, his I father was Cliff baseball. Fletcher. Come on. Um, his, uh, it puts Chuck Fletcher in a position where he has to, he has to sell. I mean, he, he doesn't really have a choice at this point. You can't sit there and say, well, we're going to try and get back into this. You, you only have 42 games left <laughs> and you're that far back. It's just not going to happen. Um, so you might as well, you know, start looking at next season and that's the, and that's the positive aspect of it. You don't sit here and say this team is so bad that you have to tear it all apart and start all over again. Cause you don't, the positive aspect is to say, you know what, we can take this bad season, make a couple of changes, you know, um, get a nice player in the draft. If we get lucky enough to get into that number one spot and, draft Jack Hughes great but there are other players in this draft as well it's not just Jack Hughes this is this is going to be a really good top of the draft and there's going to be some legit talent up there so the Flyers you know if they get a top five pick are probably very very happy um, and then you go into free agency with a lot of cap room and a lot of money and go after some players and turn this thing around by next season I think that that's a legitimate possibility so if you want me to not be negative that's the that's the way you got to look at it. You got to, but you have to start with this. This team can no longer be counted on to provide um, an ability to to win games with consistency and be a playoff contender with any consistency as currently constructed. 
it has to be broken up in some capacity. And where you start with that, um, we all, I'm sure we all have different philosophies on it, but it has to start somewhere in this core. And, you know, they've been together for six seasons and haven't done anything. So somebody's got to go. And I, I will not sit here and tell you that it, it should be Claude Giroux. I know there are, there are some people out there, it blows my mind, that they think it should be Giroux, the Flyers' lone all-star, by the way. Um, he, he Second is an consecutive excellent, appearance. <laughs> he's an excellent Fourth player. Five, yeah. Top 15 in the league kind of guy. Like, I mean, really, I mean, he might even be top 10. I mean, I, you know, I say top 15 just to be conservative, but, I mean, I, I think an argument can be made that he's in the top 10 uh, in the league. And, uh, it, it, you know, to, to suggest that he's a guy that needs to go is – is asinine. I mean, it makes me really honestly think that you don't know what the hell you're watching when you say it. Um, but anyone else really in that, I mean, I shouldn't say anyone else. I, I wouldn't move Couturier either, but if you, if you want to talk about other veteran players, I think there are the other, any other veteran player could easily go and, and it would make sense. Any veteran, any other veteran player besides Giroux and Couturier. Man, man, oh man. I don't even know where to start with that. Um, you know, I, I think we've tap danced around this, tiptoed around it in a sense. And I think as a as a media collective, I think the idea of really attacking this core hasn't been something that a lot of people have been willing to do. And I don't know if that's because for a lot of the guys who are down there that, that we sit on press row with, because they're there you know, all the, uh, you know, all the time and, and they're down there at practice and, and maybe they don't want to ruin relationships that, that they have. Like from, from my standpoint, this, this core is, is just rotten. And I don't mean that these guys are bad guys. And, and this is like, I, I often come back to the idea of when you're a fan, your perspective on, on things is, is a, a, a set given because that's all you've experienced in your life. And then if I've, I've gone through this, this whole kind of fundamental change in my in my view on this team this year from being down there and being around you know people who have more of a a say I guess and and the people who control the narrative around this team I I look at this and I, I just feel this sense of real disappointment you know as a fan years ago let's even go back four years I thought the 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 core that they had built with Claude Giroux, with Jake Voracek, with Sean Couturier, with Wayne Simmons, was only one or two pieces away from being a legitimate contender for a Stanley Cup. And here we are a few years later, and and when I look at it, it's not even being, you know, a, a fire and brimstone, scorched earth kind of guy. I just don't think you can win with these guys. I really don't. And, you know, for all the times that we've kind of bantered back and forth about, well, you know, what can Wayne Simmons get you? You know, I know that... Um, I think Charlie O'Connor had said on Twitter that he thought that the uh, Flyers could get a first-round pick back for Wayne Simmons, or at least that's what he would want. And I look at it and I go, yeah, of course it would be great to get back a first-round pick for Wayne Simmons, but I can't really come up with many teams right now that are so desperate for whatever it is that they think that Wayne Simmons is or was that they would willingly give up a first-round pick of any kind of value other you know, than a, a very a very late first-round pick. I don't see that. No. And, and I don't think the numbers are there in the last two years. You know, you want to talk about the fact that Simmons led the team in, in goals for a, a limited stretch this year. Fine. But anybody who's watching this game, who watches these games, you know, from, from end to end, anybody can see that Wayne Simmons is, is nowhere near the guy 
that a lot of Flyers fans fell in love with and, and, and fell in love with his style of play. And it, it hurts to say it. I wrote a thing in the offseason where I said, you know, the Wayne train is probably going to be leaving the station and we should all kind of take a moment to appreciate the player he was. And it, I hated writing that. I mean, that's before I, I got credentialed. I'm just like, as from a fan perspective, I wasn't ready to watch Wayne Simmons fall off the way that he did. And I I would think that the way that, that people talk about Simmons in the organization and in that locker room, it will be a a big blow to that locker room when Wayne Simmons is gone. But to me, I don't think you can get anything of real value right now for this guy. I, unless it's somebody who you're looking at, you know, trying to do a change of scenery. And I know that you brought up Kasperi Kapanen, which would have been, you know, a great value trade, I think, for the Flyers. I don't really know what exactly that brings to Toronto. But I, I look at it now and I say, okay, you probably are selling too late on Wayne Simmons. And I'm not saying that necessarily you should have looked to trade him two years ago before the injuries really started to slow him down. But, like, you, you waited too long. You gave a big contract to Jake Voracek, who is a great quote, and from my perspective is honestly one of the most sincere and forthright guys in that locker room. He has, ne- in my limited experience being down there, he is never a guy to, one, mince words, or two, leave you questioning what it is that you said. Actually, there's a guy. I have no idea who this guy is. It was somebody in the media who I've never seen before. He came up to Jake, uh, I think it was three home games ago, two home games ago. And this guy asked Jake flat out, how do the guys really feel now that Dave Haxtell, or now that Dave Haxtell is gone? And Voracek just kind of looked at him, kind of confused, and then looked at him and said, I'm not telling you anything. I mean, he cursed a lot there, but he's like, I'm not telling you anything. Like, maybe the day after I retire, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I'll, and I'll tell you what, what's going on. But like, I'm not telling you that. But that, to me, is, is a, a level of, uh, of like candor that you don't get from a lot of guys in that locker room. But I look right. at this now, and I say... Jake is getting paid a lot of money. I think Jake has a lot of value. I think on the trade market, if there is one guy who can get you legitimate value, it's Jake Voracek. If there's one guy that that we've talked about a bunch of times as being somebody who likely could be traded and fans wouldn't mentally be ready to trade, it would be Shane Gostisbehere. But I'm going to throw this one at you because we haven't talked about it. I have seen enough things this season. I think we all have. Enough troubling things around Ivan Provorov. If you were the Flyers and you genuinely are not sure, and remember, Chuck Fletcher is not a guy who drafted him. He has had nothing to do with the development of Ivan Provorov. And maybe he doesn't rate Ivan Provorov as highly as everyone else in Flyers fandom does, and maybe the media does, and maybe people who were part of the organization for a much longer time do. If you're Chuck Fletcher at the trade deadline and you can get something of real substantial value for Ivan Provorov, do you do it? Knowing that there's a possibility that he's not that number one defenseman that a lot of people thought he was going to become after last year, I throw no. these things back to you. No, because I I'm of the I'm a guy who believes that Provorov will get it right. I think he will. I mean, he's he's still playing the top minutes on this team at, at defense. He's still their best defenseman overall. Um, He's in all situations player. I mean, yeah, he doesn't play as much on the power play. He's on that second unit, um, but he's he's playing twenty five minutes a night. I mean, he was against Tampa. He played against Tampa, who so he's out there against the highest scoring team in the NHL 
right? He's out there for 27 minutes and 11 seconds in that game um, and was a plus player, as a matter of fact. Scored a goal uh, and wasn't on the ice for any goals against. Um, so that's a pretty good that's a pretty good effort. Um, yeah, he. I didn't think he played great against um, Carolina. That was probably the one game where I was like, yeah, but nobody played well against Carolina. I thought he played really well against Florida. I thought he played well against Nashville. Um, you know, I, I think that there are games that he's been having since the coaching change. And what I mean by that coaching change, I don't mean Hackstall. I mean Gordon Murphy to Rick Wilson as an assistant coach who's coaching the defense. I, I think we've seen better Provorov. I think there's still been times where it's like, oh, geez, you know, there, there go, you know, there he goes again with another turnover, or the puck explodes on a stick, which you would never expect. But he, he's he's 21 years old, man. He's, you know, we've seen how good he can be at 19, at 20. He's 21, and he's going through a, a tougher season. He's going to be the he's going to be their guy for a long time. I I'm not considering moving Ivan Provorov. So so let's talk about the list of untouchables, because at some point Chuck. Well, Fletcher's no one's going, no one's ever untouchable. I mean, let me let me okay. So be so honest, let, because right. if if somebody there, came in, is there and offered, is there a guy is there a guy right now who within reason is an untouchable to you? No, like no like, one's untouchable. No one's okay. untouchable. Let's take like the, what, the the four first round picks or three first round picks off the table. As being like a ridiculous offer, let's let's go with something that's at least quasi realistic. If somebody were to make you a significant offer, who are like the three guys that, in your mind, you really genuinely have to think about before you even consider pulling the trigger on a legitimate offer? That's on the current roster now. Yes. Um, I also think that's interesting how you phrase that, but yes. Well, I mean, it could could be somebody that's you know in the system that's not. That's not here. No, right? I get what you're saying, but you know, if somebody makes me a significant offer for Morgan Frost or Joel Farabee, am I going to make that try? I don't know. Um, from the current roster, three guys that I would not, absolutely would not trade. And it's a shame because you limited it to three, and I would like to go to four. But if we have to go three, I'm going Couturier, Provorov, and Carter Hart. Interesting, but I would probably Giroux's got to be in there. I mean, it's it's almost like yeah, he does, <laughs> he does. It's crazy to think that you would want to trade Claude Giroux. The guy is a top 10, 15 player in the league. The fact that nobody recognizes—I should say nobody—the fact that there are people who don't recognize this blows me away. The guy is and is a he's he plays his ass off every game. He's. He doesn't go more than more than he's only gone two games in a row without a point twice this year, and the most recent one um, was obviously the the last couple games. Like he hasn't done that for six weeks, seven weeks. Like the guy is constantly on the score sheet. He's constantly creating. A, he's your only offense on this team, and he's only thirty. I mean, he's got four or five good years left in him. I, I don't. You I don't hope. see it. I no. I, I why? Because he had one bad season. Everybody thinks, oh well, gee, he had one bad season a couple years ago, and so now he's he's on the downside. No, 
He bounced back last year, was second I, in the I league genuinely in question. I question what years 33, 34, 35 are going to look like at an $8.5 million cap hit. I genuinely do because I don't think this is this is where I think I can I can agree with you that in the short term trading him is a stupid idea, and if if you're right, the thing that you let off the show with, if you're right that you're able to do a rebuild on the go and a very short turnaround on a legitimate rebuild, and maybe that is you hashtag lose for Hughes, and you you and you splurge copious amounts of cash to bring in legitimate free agent targets this offseason and all of a sudden now you are a threat in the Eastern Conference next year, then yes, it would be dumb to trade Claude Giroux. But I'm not sure that that's a, a legitimate path right now. I'm not Why? sure. Because so much, like, ugh, I get that you're saying that it's a deep draft, right? And I don't know enough about the top, let's say, 15 guys in the upcoming draft to make this argument, you know, a 100% ironclad bulletproof, right? But if the idea here is to lose for Hughes, and you don't get Jack Hughes, and you don't get a guy who's going to immediately help you next year, right? And and it and we've talked about this so many times. It's very un it's very uncommon for a guy as a rookie, after having just gotten drafted, to come into the league and make a legitimate impact right away. So in that case, you're you're losing out on a season a a, a season of probably what should be a very good Claude Giroux season and yet another good Jake Voracek season to become a, a bad team, to get a pick that you might not see on this team for another two or three years, possibly, and then you're going to go out and you're still going to spend your free agent money. Like, to, to me, I, I'm not so sure. Just because you have all this money available doesn't mean you're going to be able to, to woo these guys or to court them to come to your team. That's what we talked about, obviously, with the Phillies you know, the, on Crossing Broadcast. Like, we can't assume that just because you have more money than a lot of other teams that these free agents are going to want to play here. Yeah, and you're, so, right like, about, you're, you're right about that, Russ. You are. But here's the thing. This team was the worst team in hockey in 2007. Paul Holmgren came in as the new GM, made four moves, and in 2008 they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. In 2010 they were in the Stanley Cup Finals. How many I mean, times has that happened in the, in the history of hockey? It happens. Teams go from worst. Buffalo last year was the worst team in hockey. They're uh, they're going to be a playoff team this year. Are they're they really be? good. Okay. They were the worst team in the NHL last year, <laughs> and now they're now they're good this year. It happens. It, it it it. Yes, there are times when it takes a little bit longer, but this isn't the NBA. This isn't baseball where it takes a little bit longer to get better. The NHL is a lot more like the NFL in the sense that you can go from being bad to being good overnight. It It's set up that way, that there's enough movement in this sport that you can make those changes and you can trade a couple guys and get your cap flexibility and get a, you know, a good draft pick and sign some free agents and boom, you're off to the races. 16 teams make the playoffs. I mean, it's, there's, there are ways to get in into the tournament and then you never know what happens once you're there. It can be done. And this team has enough talent that it can be done with just a handful of, of things happening. I mean, anyone who sits here and thinks that Chuck Fletcher is going to take the next two months and completely tear this team apart and start over is out of their mind. They're not doing that. That's not an option. That is certainly not an option. They will make changes. They will, they will trade a couple of players, two, three, maybe even four guys. But that's it. I mean, that's, that's all it's going to be. It's, it's not a wholesale 
turnover. And it's just not going to be. Even in the offseason, it's not going to be. They're going to go after one or two names in the offseason, try and get a couple guys in here now during in the next two months before the February 25th trade deadline, and then hopefully hopefully get lucky to get uh, a top five pick and you know land a player who they think is going to be a, uh, a legitimate contributor. That's what's going to happen. And then they're going to be a decent team next year. But you gotta, you, you can't sit there and say, well, well, gee, let's, you know, if we don't get that draft pick, we're screwed. No, that's not. It, it doesn't work that way in, in hockey. It's like it, that's that's the difference from the NBA, for example. It, I mean, yes, guys come in and can play, and and it takes a real special talent to come in as an 18 year old rookie and dominate the league. You only have. Certain number of guys who've done that in recent years, you know, your Connor McDavid's, your Sidney Crosby's, you know, Malkin, you know, these guys who can come in, Patrick Kane, um, and be the first, Nathan McKinnon, be at, you know, the number one overall pick or number two overall pick, uh, Alexander Barkov, who I think is fantastic that the Florida Panthers have, and nobody talks about him. He's a hell of a player. Um, these kinds of players are certainly generational. But if you have an opportunity to get him, great. If you don't and you end up with the number two guy like James Van Riemsdyk or Nolan Patrick, eh, so be it. You're still going to end up with a decent player. He just might not be what you think he should be. But that's okay. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. They're, I, I firmly believe that Fletcher will handle this the right way and get this team back to being a contender within a season. Man, I just don't know if I see it. See, there's like part of me, I, 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 maybe it's selfish of me. Maybe it's because I'm down there and because I, I genuinely want to have a, a playoff run. Because on, on my side of things, like you never know. You never know how, how many seasons you're going to be down there covering the team. Now, in your case, you've got <laughs> plenty of, of cred to be doing this year after year after year. And on my side of things, I, I sit back and I go, you know, this has been a really fun ride so far. And I'm not ready for it to go down the tubes and be this you know, dreadful, woeful, get ready for, you know, going for a top three pick kind of, of season. And I do question whether or not Chuck Fletcher has the ability to make a few of these moves and for it to breathe some life into this team. That maybe if you're, you know, we, we kind of talked about, this was a, a thing that we'd all talked about uh, at an event, uh, at a Crossing Broad event that you were unable to make. But, you know, like you, t- you talk about like alphas and betas. And to me, I think the Flyers have a lot of betas. If you're able to go swing a trade and and blow up this core at least a bit and get some of the the beta male off of this team and get somebody in who has an authoritative voice in that locker room and to the media and to whomever and is actually putting out the instead of it being, you know, that that consummate, oh, you know, he's he's a silent leader. He doesn't he doesn't need to say things. He you know he what leads, though, he leads on the ice. I feel like this team needs something, and I feel you're like not, when you when you have enough of these guys that are these silent leaders, mm. and you're not seeing anything like that reflected out on the ice, you're not seeing somebody getting in the face of it, of his teammates. You're not like I. This you're is not like gonna, the most old school take I could possibly have. But you're like, not gonna and you're I not gonna like to hear. It. You're not gonna like to hear what I have to say. Bring it's it, gonna, buddy. Because it's gonna be derogatory to your generation. But that's just the way it is anymore. You can't. You don't have that anymore. There's those 
those players don't exist. We are now in the social media generation. These players are, are sanitized. They don't say anything to each other. They're not hard on each other like they used to be because they're, they're all worried that if they say something, it's going to be put out in social media or it's going to be talked about. And then, you know, they're going to, it's going to be a negative um, view of their personality. Uh, you know, we had guys, yeah, during the social media age who were still kind of that old school brand, but they kind of went away. I mean, who who's left from pre? Uh, who's a veteran that was around, you know, ten years ago, twelve years ago, and had a voice then, and is still playing today? You don't have that guy. That guy would have to have been in the league for seventeen years, right? Yeah. Who is that guy? It doesn't. That those players don't really exist anymore. So you now have a generation where people are just they don't say anything. It's uh, it's, it's it's a different kind of way of people communicate and and that's all there is to it and i don't think we're going to get back to it look i agree with you i would love to go back to the time when you had a chris pronger type voice in that locker room it was awesome i mean there's no question that was that was the way it should the way it was and the way it should be but we have to understand that the game not only is the game changed but the personalities have changed and so now you look at the captains on every team i mean who you know look at these captains who's who's coming out and being that way I mean, maybe, I'll give you one name, maybe Zdeno Chara in Boston because he's 42 years old and he probably doesn't care, <laughs> right? I mean, maybe, maybe Chara. I mean, but every captain on every team is a young guy anymore. They're all young kids who are suddenly captains of teams. I don't know. When, I, when we were watching hockey, growing up watching hockey, the captain was a veteran player, right? It wasn't a young, even if you had a young star on the team. The young star was not the captain. There was a veteran player who was the captain. You know who the captain was when the Flyers went to the playoffs in 2008? Here's your hockey trivia for you, Russ. Name that flyer. Who was their captain? (laughs) What's that? I said it was not Jason Smith. Jason Smith is the answer. There you go. See, I knew that. Jason Smith is the answer. Not to be confused with seven-foot-tall Jason Smith who once played for the – the Philadelphia 76 no, around the same time too. That was weird. Yeah. Anyway, no, it was Jason Smith who was a, here for one year. He was yep. only on the team one year and he was the captain, but he was the captain because they wanted Mike Richards to be captain, but he was still too young to be the captain. And so yeah. they were like, eh, we're not giving it to him yet. Give it to Jason Smith. And that's why, that's why he was the captain. Yeah. Can I, can I rebut you with uh, perhaps Pavelski or Ovechkin? I mean, Ovechkin's about as fiery as it gets. Right, like, but I, is, I know these is, are like anomalies. I know. Is Ovechkin is fi- Ovechkin gets fired up when he scores? Yeah, but he he's scores not, a lot. Yeah, he does. He's not, but he's not the kind of guy who's standing in the locker room calling out his teammates. You know, that he's for sure. he's beloved. Like every player loves him. Even guys on other teams love him. Like he he's he's not that kind, that type of person. And Pavelski Pavelski's been around forever now, but um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think that's what I'm saying. Like, if Joe Pavelski is your is your standard bearer for being a vocal leader, that what does that tell you about the sport these days? That's all. Yeah. <sighs> There's not a lot of hope, is there? No, not for that anymore. <laughs> well, well, look, we had a lot of uh, of questions come in, but because we're on this abbreviated thing, we're we're up against a, a deadline of sorts this evening. So yes. um, we will make sure that we answer the questions that were dedicated for Snow the Goalie on the Press Row show. So make sure that 
um, prior to, uh, so pregame, first and second intermission during the Flyers game, you go over to the Crossing Broad Facebook page um, and follow us there or go on to uh, Twitter slash Periscope on uh, Anthony's Twitter account. That's at AntSanPhilly. Of course, as always, and I don't know how many people actually do this. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I think I'm subscribed to 22, 23 podcasts. I listen to them all on two times speed because I'm insane. Um, I know I don't do this all the time, but there there were some people who were questioning. The last episode, we talked about Cheese and Wawa for a little bit. That was your fault. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, and they were, they were like, people were like a little bit upset that we let off the show with that. And I was like, well, why don't you just read the description? The description, I actually put timestamps just so people could skip that if you didn't want it. Well, in that description, I also have obviously the links to our Twitter accounts at Julian Broad and at Ansan Philly. If you click on them, it'll redirect you right to Twitter. You can hit follow and you can continue the conversation there. Um, same idea for finding the press row show, at least, uh, with Anthony's Twitter account. So make sure you do that. I do want to get to, we had three new iTunes reviews that I wanted to get to very quickly before we yep. head out here, if that's all right with you. Yep. I'm going to start with a three-star review because I hate three-star reviews. Three-star reviews are, they're like vanilla ice cream. I like vanilla ice cream, but I don't go out of my way to look for it. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. It's tasty. Chocolate ice cream, same thing. Like, it's fine. There are better versions of it. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Uh, this one is by uh, Not Me. This isn't a hockey podcast. Three stars. This person's an idiot. I don't usually call people an idiot on this show. I don't usually call reviewers stupid people, but here we are. It's two. It's a two guys BSing podcast, mostly about other things other than hockey, unfortunately, which is nonsense. That person probably stopped in for the first time on that last show when Anthony got me really heated up about Wawa versus uh, Sheets, and that was it. But then I did go check out their other reviews, and this is what I used to do on uh, on another show, but... The one-star review, uh, I used to go on to that person's reviews and see, you know, if they're just a, a snarky curmudgeon. And three of the four reviews that they've left for podcasts on Apple have been atrocious and also just angry and sad. So uh, not me. I don't know what to tell you. All right, now we have two five-star <laughs> reviews. One is by uh, Chistov28, who said, Must listen if you, if you follow the flyer seriously, five stars. If you're like me, you probably cringe at the sound of the chorus of thousands of people yelling shoot at the Wells Fargo Center every time the flyers possess the puck on the power play, then proceed to complain when a rushed and unnecessary shot goes directly into the shin pads of a penalty killer who is clearly obstructing the shooting lane. If you've reached that level of hockey understanding, then this is the podcast for you. If you haven't, listen anyway. You may learn a thing or two. Russ and Anthony provide great depth or provide great in-depth coverage to what goes on behind the scenes in the organization. I like how they, they spelled that out. So it's the organization. Nice. The guests they have on in the forms of executives, coaches, current and former players add to the quality and the validity of this show. I don't find Russ to be as distracting as most people because let's be honest, we are talking sports here. I enjoy the occasional comic relief. Yes, these are professionals, but the whole industry is about entertainment. So if you aren't having some fun with it, why are you here? Keep up the great work, guys. Also, predicting your soon-to-be player guest is going to be Jake Voracek. He strikes me as a guy on this roster who would be a character to talk to. I'll hang up and listen. <laughs> so we're not going to respond to uh, who we th who the uh, the person's actually going to be. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. And then yeah. finally, uh, one <laughs> Nick At who says cocaine for Flyers fans <laughs> five stars. <laughs> How topical! <laughs> oh my god, we didn't talk about Yori. All right, we'll have to just one second. Uh, like all of the Crossing Broad uh, Network pods, this is a must listen. Makes the other Flyers pods look amateurish. Again, I still don't know why people are referring to other Flyers podcasts. They simply don't exist. But I do appreciate the kind words about the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. That's very nice of you, Nick At. Uh, really quick, Anthony, cocaine, Yori Laterra. Uh, we could do a quick, a very quick blurb on this. 
I think a lot of people in September when they found out that Yori Laterra had was potentially going to be facing charges as part of that really uh, strange Finnish cocaine ring. Um, it was in the Tampere region of Finland. People thought, oh my God, is Yori Laterra like the, the Finnish Pablo Escobar? Didn't turn out to be that. He was uh, officially, the charges were made public. The um, the prosecutors are looking for a five-month suspended sentence against him for acquiring, I believe it was eight grams. Was it eight grams of, uh, yep. of cocaine? Uh, in June and July, and apparently he had attempted to, allegedly had attempted to acquire some as uh, as early as May of 2018. But again, this isn't like Yori was the kingpin here. Um, it, the, the worse the allegations got from their side, and they have been unsubstantiated to this point, so we're not saying that he is guilty of anything. He has refuted this, and he he had released a statement through the Flyers that said that, you know, the accusations are, are not true and that he's going to clear his name to his credit. Um, but this isn't, this isn't like Yori was, you know, running a, a, a big show over in Finland. So I don't know how, how people are going to react to that and how they're going to feel about it. But, you know, I think it certainly is, uh, not as scandalous as people had initially thought it might've been. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I, you know, it, <laughs> I've said it before on this podcast. I'll say it again. Cocaine is nothing new to the NHL. Um, it's a dirty little secret. Uh, it kind of is throughout this league play player wise um and uh yeah i you know i i was entertained more by the translation that google gave me from the uh, article from finland uh about the <laughs> about the the bust um and also the video i don't know if you got to see the oh, video yeah. I, am, I embedded the video into the post i did about your Lutera. Oh my god, it was so funny. Then the guy with his with his mittens over his face and he has his coat he has his full winter coat and he's got these mittens. <laughs> and it's like I know Finland's cold, but I don't think the courtroom is like gonna be confused with like an ice fishing hole. And right? the lawyer and- the lawyer sitting right next to him, like tapping his fingers while the guys are taking pictures of the guy. It yep. it was it was tremendous. Hey, speaking of Finland, real quick, did did you hear that um sucking sound while this podcast was going on? No. Yeah, that would be Finland beating uh, Canada in the World Junior quarterfinal, two to one. Oh, uh, Canada! Tying tying the game with forty six seconds left, and then winning it in overtime. Oh dear! Uh, and so the host Canadians uh, will not medal <laughs> in the World Junior Championships, and it's got that that whole country has just you know, this is like. There's there's pictures like of people crying on TSN like it's that's what this is like out there. It cracks me up. It really does that they take uh, junior hockey championships so so seriously. Um, but the Americans won three to one. They beat Czech. They beat the Czech Republic. So, oh boy, uh, oh Ameri- boy. Americans going to the semis. Take that, uh, Justin Trudeau. Yeah, so you heartthrob. All right. With that. All right. Yeah. I think I think we're good. Uh, we I think we had intended on at some point talking about reflecting on uh, young flyer prospects performances, especially guys like Morgan Frost. So we'll we'll make sure that we get to that once the entire tournament has wrapped up. But there have been some positives that have come out of the junior championships. So uh, we'll get back around to that on the next episode. So as we uh, mentioned off the top and we continue to mention our well, we're very thankful for all of our fans, all of our listeners who have uh, interacted with us on uh, on Twitter and on the Press Row show on on uh facebook and and twitter and periscope and on this show and we are in the multi-thousands of listeners now which is a really cool thing to be able to say after you know eight 
nine months of doing the show. So continue to uh, share this show out to all the people that you know that are Flyers fans. We greatly appreciate it, and we uh, look forward to talking to you again on uh, Thursday night on the Press Row Show on the Crossing Broad Facebook channel and uh, over on Anthony's Twitter and Periscope, at Ant Philly. So for Anthony, I'm Russ. We will talk to you again very soon.